Chapter 8 Hold the light up a little higher, Rushman insisted. We need to see the road ahead, not your feet. Dusk already fell, and the girls ventured out of Sebra's hut and out to the main street out of yelling, the town Ilse barely knew. The street lamps provided little light, burning the last of its oil, and the stars dotted the sky. I look ridiculous, Ilse mustered. Reshma rolled her eyes and helped Ilse raise her arms so they could see a few more feet ahead of them. You don't look ridiculous, Reshma said with a grin. Girls don't wear pants, Ilse whispered sharply. It feels so odd. Girls can and should wear pants. How else will she run from monsters? Reshma retorted. Sebra insisted they wear pants with leather boots in order to move around in the terrain. In her opinion, skirts were just going to be ruined and weren't the best for running. Reshma was more than willing to comply. However, this was the first time that Ilse had ever worn pants and it took getting used to. In Dove, they were worn by men only. It was as odd as if she saw a man wearing a lady's dress. They both wore long-sleeved white cotton shirts with belts meant for weapons. Ilse had a blue tunic and Reshma had a black one. They were both draped in long capes. As the night grew darker, Ilse gathered the material around her like a blanket. Ilse wished the leather boots wouldn't make such a loud sound against the cobblestone. She was sure the whole town could hear her heart pumping and her chattering teeth. She couldn't walk in a way to make her walking any quieter against the cobblestones. I dare you to ask Ladala for a dress then, Reshma said. I'm sure she'll give you something comfortable to run in. I'm not going to ask people for clothes, Ilse returned. Gad, I didn't ask for these in the first place. I feel like an adventurer, Reshma said softly. Ilse looked over at her, wondering if that comment was for her or meant to be private. I'm just another step closer to finding my family. Ilse remained silent, keeping her arms stiff in the air to hold the light upright. The cobblestone road soon became a dirt road as they entered the forest. The dark, thick trees were busy with nightlife. Sebra lived at the southeast part of town, and she directed them north, away from the docks and into the forest, the great one that Reshma had explained about. Ilse couldn't imagine ever seeing such a place, such large trees that touched each other and edged so close like curtains. Their only means of light was the lantern. The girls edged along, gingerly taking each footfall with care. How do we know we're going the right direction? Ilse asked. Why are we even doing this in the middle of the night? We could have stayed a bit longer for a bit of rest. We're invisible out here, Reshma answered. Besides, we have the advantage of getting a head start. Who knows if the soldiers are trying to find us right now? They probably think we're back at Sebra's. Luckily for us, we're not. We're still roaming around in the dark, Ilse said. And we're not invisible. We're holding this stupid lantern in the middle of the night. What about holding a light makes us so hard to see? They'll probably find us with how loud you're talking, Reshma said, half joking, half serious. Ilse was starting to suspect that Reshma was more excited about doing the adventurous thing rather than thinking about their safety. She wasn't about to get herself killed because Reshma was having a moment of reckless bravery. So, monsters, Ilse whispered. We already established the fact that they're lethal and I'm not. What are we going to do? Do you not know how to fight with your magic? Yes. Well, then I suddenly feel a lot safer with you here, Reshma said. It's pretty simple anyway. Make sure when you fight, stand up most of the time. You're more vulnerable on the ground. Secondly, you have to stab them in the heart, Reshma said as she pointed to her own. Their skulls are too thick and their bellies are so fat if you stab it, they won't feel it. You're making that up, Ilse said, perturbed. You've never killed anyone or anything, especially monsters. Watch out, you might regret those words, Reshma warned, pointing at her. 
She distorted her face next to her lantern and giggled. Besides, didn't you hear Sebra explain the rest? She said they only come out on the full moon. They both looked up and noted that the clouds were covering up most of the moon, so they could hardly tell how full it really was. Oh, stop. It's like all the tales are coming to life. Ilse muttered, shoving her arm lightly, and continued staring ahead in the darkness. Who do you think this Ladala lady is, anyway? We're really good at looking for people without asking questions. I don't know. I haven't ventured in the forests. I was young, remember? Besides, I bet she's like a friend of Sebra or something, Reshma answered. If they're enemies to the Yildirim, they will likely be friendly with us. Ilse faced the darkness ahead of them. The lantern only lit a few feet in front of her, so the rest of the path was left to her imagination. From where she was, it looked like there was no end to it. She wondered what kind of things lurked in that forest and what could happen to her. You there, Reshma said, probing the darkness to find Ilse's shoulder. We'll be okay. Just one foot in front of the other is all it takes. Uh, sir, I'm getting no word from the yelling post, said a man wearing a mustard yellow uniform. It bore a black, jagged streak across the front of the shirt. He stood straight and stiff, facing another man sitting comfortably in a large chair. He sat by a large fireplace that brought the only source of warmth and light. The flames and shadows flickered wickedly over the walls. The messenger didn't dare meet the man's eyes with the sound of his unpleasant message ringing in the dusty air. Stop blubbering like a child, the second man said slowly and coarsely. She's right where we want her, already lulled into a false sense of security. Everyone is scouting and positioned where I need them. In due time, we can proceed with our plan of further attack upon Ravenna. Uh, what about the boy, sir? The first man said. Bring him here. The uniformed man quickly motioned for two wide doors to open, allowing light to enter. In no time, two other uniformed men dragged a young man into the dark room. His black hair was matted and sweaty and his heavy winter coats gone, but his long-sleeved shirt was soaked through with sweat. His ankles were bare and sported scratches and scrapes. You think you're so big and tough, the man in the shadow said, musing, then said to the guards, Name? He wouldn't say at first, but through careful consideration he told us his name is Tyke, my lord. Excellent, the man answered dully. And he was found with this girl? Yes, he distracted us for a moment and let her leap through the wall, the guard answered, shaking the boy at his shirt collar. Ah, so it's true, the man said quietly. The little girl does have very unique powers. Your sister is out there all alone and unprotected, boy. How do you cope? Sir, the messenger interrupted nervously, we, we actually have confirmed information that she is traveling with a companion. We've sent soldiers into the beast forest after her. The little ice girl doesn't know about the beast forest, the man said with derision. How frightened she must be. This might be easier than expected. Tyke struggled and growled under his breath, but the guards held him firmly. The man in the chair stoked the fire and sent embers and sparks flying. What is her name? The man asked sternly, his question fired at Tyke. Tyke responded by gritting his teeth and firmly stood silent, while resisting the tightening grip the guards had on his arms. The longer he waited, the tighter the pressure. I don't know who she is, he struggled to say. 
His face shook from the swelling heat and pain in his arms. The man in the chair didn't immediately reply. After a few painful minutes, he ordered, Bring me her cloak. The messenger saluted hesitantly and went to a large coat rack and brought a large black woolen cloak. Tyke stared at it, breathing heavily. This little coat reeks of the little ice girl, the man explained. Well, at least to our hunting dogs and their masters, I plan on using this scent to find her, and it's very hard to catch a prey if it can still run. The soldiers may not be able to stop the dogs as quickly as you would like. The man listened to Tyke's labored breathing. But you wouldn't be too concerned over someone you don't know, correct? The man mused. Tyke fell weakly to his knees, the guards still holding him by the elbows. The man stared from his large chair. What is her name? The man asked again, listlessly. Again, Tyke knelt in silence, head hung. The man raised his hands as the flames illuminated his hands, snapping lightly. No, please! Tyke protested, but the guard to his left grabbed him by the front of the shirt and shocked him by the power of his bare hand. He twitched violently and fell to the ground, his shirt giving off a burnt odor. She is my friend, he croaked. The guards pulled Tyke to his feet by his arms since his legs wouldn't hold him up. I could already tell that you knew her, the man scoffed. If you hurt her, I swear I'll... I wouldn't breathe any threats, boy, the man interrupted hotly. He finally stood up and made a few steps towards Tyke, his arms folded. You're looking at two choices. More time with my soldiers, he muttered quietly, nodding his head to surrounding guards, one of them playing with a few sparks in his hand. Or you join in the search yourself and become a soldier. Join your army. I won't fight for a man who sets out to kill innocent girls, Tyke fired back. The guard struggled more to keep him still, but he fought with renewed anger. I haven't harmed the girl, nor do I plan to, but that doesn't stop my soldiers. Besides, I don't need her dead, you fool. She is vital to my plans, like everyone else, the man muttered darkly. What plans? What are you going to do to her? Tyke cried angrily. There's no telling what the girl faces, boy, the man said. However, I'm sure she won't live to see the extent of what she's capable of destroying. There was a long pause. I'll give it time for you to mull over in your mind, the man said, and motioned in the darkness. Tyke scowled and shuffled his feet against his guard's grip. He screamed in frustration that rang through the room and halls like the howling of a beast. My lord, the assistant in uniform said, daring to near the chair. May I ask what purpose we have in keeping the boy? We put a uniform on him, put the amulet around his neck, and he'll become ten times better than our hunters and their mutts, the man in the chair said, more to the flames than his assistant. He's a young ice chanter, a rare addition to my forces. You know well enough that I don't kill people until they become useless to me.